Hi, and welcome back to Talk Rehab. I'm Bill Nolting, and today we're going to focus on access, access to CRT. With me today are McKay Lee and Don Clayback from NCART, the National Coalition for Assistive and Rehab Technology. NCART's mission is to ensure that federal, state, and private coverage and reimbursement policies allow individuals with significant disabilities to have adequate access to specialized and individually configured products and services. I can't think of two better people to talk about access to CRT. Thank you guys for spending some time with me today to talk about NCART. I'm excited. So let's get started. Would each of you introduce yourselves and tell us what you do for NCART? And then I have some questions. Absolutely. Don, would you like to go first? Sure. My name is Don Clayback. I'm the executive director of NCART, the National Coalition for Assistive and Rehab Technology. And uh, I oversee the uh, operations of the organization and coordinate our work and work with uh, McKay and Debbie on the analysis and other advocacy work we do as part of our mission of promoting access to CRT. Great. McKay? Yeah, I am our Director of Advocacy and Communication, and um, I spend a great deal of my time helping share our work with individuals and and other followers, um, whether that's our members or just our network of advocates. And I also help out with our social media platforms and all the content that goes into that, as well as working with Connecting Advocates to their representatives, uh, whether that's congressional or state. And I also help both Debbie and Don with uh, some of our Medicaid work on the state level as well. And who's Debbie? Debbie is our administrative coordinator. She does a lot of work behind the scenes for us, whether that's organizing and maintaining our files or helping out with some of our call scheduling. um, And of course, some of the other administrative work that needs to be done just to keep everything running smoothly. Is it true that you guys are not in the same place? Yeah, we work with, um, we work, I work out of Buffalo, New York, and then McKay works out of Rochester, New York, as does Debbie. And we, we work remotely, obviously, but, you know, in today's world, that uh, seems to be, uh, you know, we can get things done effectively uh, Sure. with that scenario. Tell me about the origin of NCART and the NCART story. Sure. Well, NCART was formed... Uh, Back, I guess, if we go all the way back to its origination, was in 2004, when there was a group of us uh, that were kind of leaders, if you will, within the CRT space. And the discussions revolved around the need to create a separate identity for complex rehab technology, and then to use that identity to better advocate for access, um, whether it be on a federal, uh, state, or commercial layer or level. That group got together and formed the organization, um, did the legal work to create a corporation. From there, you know, have worked on identifying issues and then gathering uh, additional support through broader membership uh, involvement uh, from the overall industry. And we've, you know, kind of carried that banner, if you will, the banner of protecting access from 2004, really up and through today. And there's been a lot of, uh, activities, a lot of contributions from a lot of folks along the way, uh, but that's really how NCARC got its start. And how and when did you and McKay become staffers, if you will? Was that from the get-go or did you ease into it? Yeah, I was actually involved uh, back in 2004. At that time, I was working for the Med Group and was managing their uh, 
networks or specialty networks. One of them was the complex rehab technology network. So I was involved in the formation along with many of the other larger organizations. At that point, I was representing uh, the med group. And at that time, we actually had a woman who was a physical therapist who was our original executive director, Sharon uh, Hildenbrandt. And Sharon did a great job getting us started. But at the time, uh, I guess it was I joined in 2009. As we got into 2008, 2009, the board felt that we needed maybe someone that had more industry experience to uh, lead the organization. And so uh, after some conversations with some board members and myself, I came on board in 2009 as the new executive director. We carried on for a number of years, and then McKay joined us in 2013. McKay, you can you can pick it up from there. Sure. Yeah, as Don said, <clears throat> um, I began with NCART back in 2013. At the time, I was just helping Don with um, organizing some projects administratively, and of course with planning and um, arranging congressional visits for what was the the CELA conference back then, our, our national uh, annual CRT leadership conference that we hold every year. Prior to that, I had started as a customer service rep for Monroe Wheelchair in Rochester, New York back in 2007. Um, And that's how I originally got involved with NCART. Uh, I was introduced to the organization as Monroe Wheelchair was a member at the time. It all kind of just clicked from there. As soon as I got involved in advocacy and the work that NCART was doing to protect access, I I was hooked. What did Sharon do after she left? I'm not really sure, to be honest with you, Bill. She um, she left and um, she was also an attorney in practice. So I think she went on and did some, you know, other work there within kind of the advocacy arena. Uh-huh. How is NCART governed? I'm pretty familiar with it, but I'd like to hear the story about its governance. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great um, uh, question. And I, and I appreciate the question because I think sometimes I think there's a maybe not full understanding of kind of who is NCART and how we operate and all those other things. But NCART really is, um, again, the membership is is suppliers slash providers and manufacturers of complex rehab technology. We're governed by a board of directors. There's 15 board of director members, and they come from across the industry. We've got both providers and manufacturers represented. And then we also have small, medium and large companies within those segments represented. So we're governed by a a board of directors of 15 members. We also have liaisons to the board with uh, NARTS, with the Clinician Task Force, and with RESNA. Um, So the board uh, provides overall governance. And then we also have officers of the corporation that supplement the work we do uh, on the staff side. How often do you guys meet as a as a body? Have your annual meeting or twice a year or once a month? Yeah, we meet on, on the governance side. Well, we actually meet. Uh, we have uh, our officers. Uh, we have a monthly meeting to focus more on the operational side. And then we also have a monthly board meeting <clears throat> where we bring all the board members together. And there's updates on activities and discussions around you know issues and directions and other things. We try and we're kind of a lean and mean organization, both on the staffing side. And then also we uh, thankfully have a good group of volunteers on the board. The the board members aren't really figureheads. Uh, They actually bring their influence and their expertise and their company's perspective so that we're getting regular feedback from them um, at a minimum on a monthly basis. But then 
We also have work groups and other entities that are formed, you know, depending on particular initiatives. So mm-hmm. there's, you know, a great deal of meetings and conference calls, but on a, on a monthly basis, the board and the officers come together for discussion. McKay, do you have a chance to get to those board meetings or I guess you teleconference or something like that? Yep, absolutely. Um, I have the the pleasure of being there for for each one of those monthly meetings, as well as many of the other committee meetings that are meeting throughout the course of each month. And what's on the agenda for NCART these days? It's probably a pretty long list, but I know the separate benefit category is pretty tall. What else do you guys work on? Yeah, there's there's a variety of issues, and they kind of typically fall under the the federal heading and then the state heading. Because, um, as you know, Bill, we've got certainly Medicare plays a big part, but also we have the state Medicaid programs that have a big influence on uh, CRT access. So um, certainly on the federal side, uh, the number one issue for this year was to make permanent the suspension of Medicare uh, applying competitive bid rates to accessories used with CRT manual wheelchairs. Uh, We were able to get them permanently exempted last year. From competitive bidding, cool. We were able to get a 18-month suspension of CMS using competitive bidding pricing for accessories on CRT manual wheelchairs, but that suspension only goes until uh, next June 30th. So, number one is we want to make that permanent. Number two, as you mentioned, we're working on separate recognition, separate benefit uh, type work. We also, on the federal side, are working with the consumer organizations on getting Medicare to cover. Uh, power seat elevation and power standing for uh, complex power wheelchair users. Um, right now, Medicare does not cover that. And, you know, those are two products that really can make a meaningful difference in people with disabilities uh, uh, daily life. So that's a, a project that's high on the list on the federal side. And then on the Medicaid side, we've probably got eight or nine, 10 states that we're actively working with issues on. Medicaid is kind of an area where you you tend to, you know, all of a sudden an issue pops up that needs to be addressed. And so it could be a short-term, it could be a long-term project, but there's a variety of uh, Medicaid coverage and access issues. And they all, we also work on the state legislative front. So we're working right now with the Michigan State Association on getting CRT legislation passed in the state of Michigan. It seems that I recall NCART starting with a very strong focus on Medicare. And then it sort of eased into the Medicaid's because, geez, that's a huge job. Am I remembering correctly? No, you're remembering correctly. The thinking then was, and again, what we have to be realistic with is kind of what are the priorities and what are the resources that we can apply to those. And so the focus initially was on Medicare and still Medicare is a big focus because many of the state Medicaid agencies follow the Medicare pattern. Um, as does or as do the uh, commercial payers. So when we focus on Medicare, it's not just on those Medicare beneficiaries, but it's also recognizing that there's a, a large group of payers that will follow the Medicare lead. So if we can make some improvements on the Medicare side, many times those will be adopted automatically by other payers. Or if they're not, it gives us a great segue to then reach out to those other payers to say, hey, Medicare just made this change uh, that's helping people with disabilities. And, you know, we want to talk with you about it, encourage you to, to adopt the same thing. 
What do your days look like? Don, what do you do when you go to work in the morning? McKay, what do you do? What's a day look like for you guys? Well, I'll go first and then throw it to McKay. And I think I can speak for both of us. They're, they're very busy days. We've got a variety of issues. And certainly multitasking is a, is a prerequisite for this job. You know, just as I mentioned, you may have a conference call scheduled with a staffer uh, in Congress. You may have a call with the Medicaid director on a Medicaid issue. Uh, you may be talking to one of the consumer organizations about some questions they may have on how we can partner. Um, so each day is different. Uh, they're very filled. Um, and certainly this year, with the COVID-19 pandemic, it's added a whole nother layer of work uh, around uh, all the advocacy that we do. We had a we had a full platter as we started this year. But then we had to we had to uh, uh, make the changes, and, and certainly it's it's I'll, I tell people at least it's settled down a bit. Settling down meaning we don't have all this the uh, issues resolved, but at least people have a sense of the policies and landscape. So with the uh, COVID nineteen adding a whole nother layer, really turning the policy world upside down. The past six months have been even busier than usual, but every day is different and, you know, really is typically a, a combination of communications, either emails, phone calls, virtual meetings on those on the issues that we're working on. Yeah, and, and my days, I mean, Don covered a, a lot of what we do, but a lot of my days um, are spent uh, very similarly, whether that's responding to questions that are popping up in, you know, the email inbox or um, I spend a lot of time now monitoring, um, Don was referencing our, our Medicaid work and how that's really increased since the public health emergency. And of course, that has had its impact on state budgets all across the country. So I spend a lot of time monitoring budget discussions or public notices that are being shared by Medicaid departments um, just to make sure that we have the opportunity to weigh in on any potential discussions or any potential changes that might be taking place. Um, and then, of course, coordinating with our members to see how that may or may not impact their businesses and develop a course of action uh, to protect access as appropriate. I'm also learning how to set up virtual booths um, in, the, in the time and, and day of COVID-19. A lot of those um, trade shows that we used to be able to attend in person have shifted to virtual events. And so we've spent a lot of time crafting our messaging and continuing to support that outreach within the industry and, of course, with the uh, consumer advocacy groups and things like that. So like Don said, no no two days are exactly the same, but we are never at a loss for uh, finding something to do. I want to talk about your members. Do you find yourself getting beat up by your members or is everybody sort of walking down the same path? What do you expect from your members? I guess your organization is funded by membership. Tell me about your membership. Yeah, we, we thankfully have a, a great group of dedicated members. Uh, and again, when you look at our industry, whether it's a provider or manufacturer, whether you're a manager or an ATP or a customer service person, you know, at least I found over my years, part of them is committed to helping people with disabilities have a better quality of life and be as independent as they can be. So that's a great starting point. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, because of that, we've got uh, members that are, are supportive of us in several ways. The first one, as you said, is financially. You know, we need membership dues to support the work that we do, uh, not just internally, but we support other initiatives that may be being uh, conducted by consumer organizations or clinical organizations. 
that need some financial support. So we've got good, we've got excellent retention of our members in terms of the financial support and the dues paying side. And we're very uh, appreciative of that. But we also are certainly looking for more members. There's folks out there that are certainly reaping some of the benefits, if I could use that term, but we could use their support to help us build on the support of others. And then we also look for our members to do two things. One is to participate in the requests that we get uh, or that we issue around calls to action. So whether it be emailing members of Congress or in many cases coming to the annual conference uh, that we do in DC in partnership with NARTS, um, that's been a big part of our success over the years where we bring both uh, NCARD and NARTS members and clinicians and consumers to the DC area. Mm-hmm. Um, so we ask people to stay engaged in some manner in advocacy. And then the last thing we ask them is to keep us posted on what issues they're having, because really we're here to help address the issues that they're running into when they're serving, trying to serve their customers. So we look at our communication really being two-way. We'll let you know what's going on, what you need to be aware of for your business and your customers. And then we ask you to keep us posted on issues that you're seeing that might need to be addressed. And you know, as we tell folks, we may not be able to do it and solve the problem ourselves, but certainly we can help coordinate things or point people in the right direction so that you know, we're, we're all working as efficiently as we can around this access to CRT uh, mission statement. Obviously, the large providers are members. And I saw Numotion, NSMs of the world, and I saw Travis Medical, and it went down a little bit. How small do your members get? Do you have, do you have small mom and pops as members? We do. And Bill, the way we, we've actually structured our membership dues, the dues levels, which are on, are on our website, are based on the revenue uh, of each company, whether it's a manufacturer or a provider. And the idea is, you know, we want to kind of proportion the level of support. So larger companies provide greater support, smaller companies less, but it's in proportion to their revenue. And thankfully, we do have, you know, single location CRT companies all the way up to, you know, the large uh, national players. And we're, we're appreciative of that. And even on our board, we have the same, as I mentioned, our, our board member representative. We have, you know, small, medium and si- small, medium and large companies represented on that. And I often get that question, you know, some companies say, well, geez, you guys are really just about the big guys. And that really isn't true. I mean, I've been now involved in NCART for a little over 11 years. And even before that, when we formed it, I can really say pretty confidently that the agenda that NCART has worked on around uh, CRT access, anything that we've worked on has really had a universal benefit. So certainly it benefited larger companies, but it also benefits those single companies. And, and that's why we encourage them to be active within the organization. And as I said, for you know, we're, we're happy that we do see that within our existing membership. Well, as a good friend of mine likes to say, all ships rise with the tide. Exactly. I saw a term on your website that says there are NCART qualified CRT suppliers, and I guess that means provider. There is still a little language difficulty. The NARTS people want to call providers suppliers, and they want to call manufacturers suppliers. I, I get confused. So yeah. what is an NCART qualified CRT supplier? Well, we've got, it would be um, a member, first of all, they would be a member of NCART, so they've committed to the mission of, of promoting access and protecting access. 
And then secondly, you know, we go through a vetting process um, when we get a member application. It's not an automatic process uh, by any means. Someone puts an application in, we have some basic information we ask for, then we, uh, in essence, vet them, if you will, within both our manufacturer and our provider uh, board members. We talk to other folks out there in the field. And then we also do a, a personal interview of, you know, whoever their senior representative is going to be to make sure that, you know, they're going to live up to the, the standards, if you will, that we expect a, a good CRT company to, uh, to abide by. So once they're through that process, you know, then they become a member. And thankfully, we've got, again, a, a group of really dedicated providers that are doing the right thing out in the field. But we also monitor that. And as I mentioned, we have relations with Resna and with NART. So we try and keep a, a good thumb on the, the industry. Um, and knock on wood, we haven't had any problems, but certainly our members are you know, committed to their customers and are going to be responsive if there's any issues that come up that uh, may not be uh, going the direction they should be. Do you have published NCART standards or do you lean on NARTS and Resna for that? Yeah, we really do lean on NARTS and Resna for that. Um, we do have, with our, when we go through our vetting process, you know, certainly companies have to be accredited. They have to be Medicare supplier, uh, meet the Medicare supplier standards. Um, so there's, you know, a variety of things that we kind of use as a checkoff list. But as of right now, there's not specific NCART standards aside from, you know, those uh, attributes that I mentioned. And it's probably split in hairs, but I did notice that there wasn't mentioned on the website NCART qualified manufacturers. I guess that's kind of, like I said, split in hairs. Yeah, it is. Well, you're right. And we could probably do a whole nother uh, podcast on, as you said, supplier, provider, all the terminology right. um, that's out there. But you're right. When we, we use the term qualified supplier, because we're really trying to reach out to that um, uh, customer who's dealing with that supplier or provider directly, but really the same state statements I'd feel confident making around our manufacturer members. I mean, they're they're the leaders in the industry. Um, they're committed to their customers, and certainly they have two customers. They have the provider entity, but they also have that end user. And as you know, you know, you couldn't ask. I don't think for better uh, examples within the industry of manufacturer and uh, provider employees that just. Uh, take the, the mission of helping people with disabilities well beyond providing a wheelchair or another piece of adaptive equipment. Do you feel somewhat confined? Are there things that you would like to do as NCART that you're not able to do, either because you don't have enough money or enough people? What would you like to do that you can't do now, if anything? Yeah, I think there's probably, uh, if we could do, I think there's, there's much more we'd like to be doing, um, and it really does get to resources. So, for example, on the Medicaid front, as McKay said, she's spending a lot of time in that area. I share some of that, but with the two of us as full-time staff people, um, and then thankfully we do have both the manufacturers and providers have their folks that work in the advocacy arena, but there's still more we could be doing. If we had uh, more resources, we could have more staff, for example, that would spend more time on the state level. Because when we look at our broad mission, we kind of really look at three points. We look at our job is educating, our job is advocating, and our job is partnering. And particularly educating and advocating, you know, they take a lot of time. And on the education side, when you're dealing with policymakers, whether that be at the Medicare level, which encompasses CMS and 
the DME uh, contractors and Congress, or you're looking at the state level when you're dealing with Medicaid directors or the governor's office or legislative staff, there's just a lot of people that need education. So uh, probably if we had one thing, it would be you know some more man hours that we could focus on that and be um, more proactive than reactive. We certainly try and be proactive, and I think we are in certain areas, but having more resources would enable us to be a little proactive in certain uh, situations. What about raising the dues? Well, we've talked about that, although I, I will say our dues right now, the board, at least at this point, has been comfortable with that. I do think, though, when we talk about more revenue, um, to be candid, it's really getting more support from some of the industry players, the providers and the manufacturers that you know aren't NCART members currently. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know we, we feel, and actually in my, my career before I got into this industry, I was in public accounting. So I, you know, I was, I say, as a, re- a recovering CPA. So I, I fully appreciate return on investment. And, you know, as companies are looking at their NCART dues, I mean, I think we've got a very uh, credible and substantive return on investment argument for companies to say, if you look at the things that NCART, and certainly NCART, when I say that, it's our, our members, our board members, um, our partners within the industry. There's nothing that gets done by any one organization or group. And really, that's, I think, been the success of where we've had wins is been the CRT community coming together. So NCART, NARTS, RESNA, the Clinician Task Force, uh, United Spinal, Christopher and Dana Reef Foundation, all the many organizations that provide the community that revolves around CRT. But getting back to the industry, I think really the resources can come from other companies that maybe aren't NCART members right now but are getting those benefits. Because if we could get everybody that is a significant CRT provider or manufacturer to join, again, at the appropriate level, you know, that really would give us um, more resources and we could be working um, more actively on on the issues that certainly are are not going to go away. We're always going to have things we could be working on and that list is only going to grow. Is it as simple as saying that a smaller provider just doesn't have the margin, or is it a low level of education? They need to be educated about what they might get as a benefit if NCART had more funds, Yeah, or both. Yeah, I think it, it, I think it probably is both, a combination of all those things, certainly and especially this year, and we're very sensitive of this, you know, that providers and manufacturers have been under a great deal of financial stress. Um, you know, when you look at not only the, the the revenue drops that have been part of the COVID-19 um, access issues, but just all the additional expenses that companies have had to incur, you know, whether it's additional equipment so you can do telehealth and remote services, whether it's additional training, whether it's uh, safety equipment that companies have had a need. And, and consequently, there's been layoffs and, and uh, furloughs and all those things going on. So it's a very tough time for uh, the uh, companies as they weather that. But in that, you know, we we would respectfully say this is the time you really need to be investing in a national association because that's the entity that's going to be able to pay, uh, pave the way for you to continue to serve your customers. And, you know, that's kind of the, the argument is, uh, that we would make or the value proposition we would put out there. And just ask companies, particularly now as they're doing their budgets, starting to think about next year, you know, look at investing in NCARD and set up a call that we can have a, a direct conversation with you, really being very specific on what NCARD does and 
what we've had an influence on, and we think you'll see that it's a worthwhile investment for your business and for your customers. Have you seen predictable or expected growth over the past 16 years? Uh, from a, which perspective? Industry-wide? Well, from a dollars-in perspective. From the NCART's perspective, in terms of dues or just industry revenue? Yes, dues. Yes, we have seen, we've seen, a, I would say, a moderate increase in revenue um, from a membership perspective. We've been fairly stable. Thankfully, as I tell folks, really with the commitment we've got from our current members, they've been financially supporting the various work that's being done. So we've had a very good retention rate of uh, members uh, because I think they see the value. There is certainly some upside if we kind of did you know, a little market analysis, which we do have targeted companies that we're um, following up on to say, look, at, we'd really like to talk to you about what NCART does. You know, given your leadership position in the industry, and frankly, given some of the benefits that you're going to be able to receive and that you've received in the past, you know, we think uh, it's a, a you know, reasonable request to have you join as a member. So I, I think there's upside for increase based on us, us doing a better job at communicating that. And then certainly, I think folks being a little more open to having that conversation. McKay, I know you work with NARTS pretty closely. How do NARTS and NCART get along? Do they get along well? Do they play nice with each other? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we work very closely with all the staff um, over at NARTS. And, you know, we see and Annette and Amy um, and, the, and the other board members who are there. Jerry, of course, we can't leave out Jerry. Um, we all have, uh, you know, a lot of us have been working together now for well over a decade. Um, and we're really, um, we found a, a good stride, I think, in how we work together and how we work to accomplish uh, sharing the messaging uh, with different audiences and in different ways. And it is, it's always a pleasure. I mean, we always learn something from one another. And as Don was mentioning earlier, it really is that, that collective action from the CRT community as a whole that propels so much of our work forward into success. And so we are, you know, we're very grateful uh, for their input and their support. Hopefully they would. Hopefully they would say the same. Uh, but we always enjoy working with NARTS and are very appreciative of their efforts, of course. And do you have the same sort of relationship with Resna? We do. We do, Don. I know that you work a little more closely with Resna than when we're ever, you know, doing any calls to action or sharing updates or anything uh, that has to do with, you know, maybe sharing a call to action uh, when it comes to, you know, our our legislative outreach. Resna is always very quick to respond and to share and to offer their support. But Don, is there anything more specific that, that you would add on on that particular topic? No, I, th- I think you covered the, the high point, uh, McKay, is that I think when we look at the, the advocacy work that's done around CRT, and I think, you know, certainly the three very important organizations would be NCART, NARTS, and Resna. And I think, thankfully, there is a good relationship between all three of us and with both the Resna board they're very active in supporting our uh, our webinars, and uh, they help share the message when it comes to calls to action and other things. So I think really between all three organizations, there's a, a good relationship. But each has you know their their unique role, if you will, where NCART is you know kind of takes the lead on mm-hmm. advocacy and policy analysis, and NARTS takes the lead on you know education and training for rehab technology suppliers. And then you have Resna that we look at as more of kind of the, 
the academic and research and credentialing body. And so all three of us share some bits of, of, of a mission statement, if you will. But we also, I think, have our areas of specialty. And that's why, you know, I think through this collaboration, you know, we can make sure we're considering all angles when we're developing a strategy. And then most importantly, when we start acting on a particular initiative, you know, all three groups can be informing their members, letting their members know what's needed. And, and again, that two-way communication I mentioned, here's what we need from you. And we'd like to make sure you're letting us know what uh, you need from us. I've always thought of Resna as the eggheads and the NARTS as the ethics police. <laughs> That's a good good description, Bill. Yeah. I have one more question for you, and then uh, and then we can wrap it up. The Americans with Disabilities Act had an anniversary recently, and it kind of fizzled, if you ask me. I talked to a lot of people who said, well, it didn't really, hasn't accomplished what we expected it to. What can we all do without a rewrite? to goose that up a little bit and, and get some better benefit out of the ADA? Yeah, I think I think it's a great question. And I think as you look at it, and certainly talking to people with disabilities that are directly impacted, you know, we certainly, you know, deal a lot with folks that have mobility um, limitations that need assistive mobility equipment. But certainly the ADA, you know, is much broader than that when you look at other disabilities, uh, hearing, sight, and other things. But from our population, and I think from others, there's you know, recognition that um, it's good that there's better access, if you will, in certain things. In other words, there are curb cuts and uh, wheelchair lifts in public buildings. So there's there's some good things that are put, are part of the existing infrastructure. But one of the things that <clears throat> we talk about when it comes to CRT is that, and this is something that um, a, a, a fellow that uh, uses a power chair in D.C. and is very active on the advocacy said to me is that, you know, for me, all the things in the ADA are good, but if I don't have the right wheelchair, and if that wheelchair isn't supported so that if it breaks down, I can get it up and running quickly, the ADA doesn't really bring a lot to me. True. In other words, that that access issue, and I've used that in, in many references because I think it really does drive home the point, you know, of the billions of dollars that have been invested in the ADA that have made tangible improvements, even with those, we look at our simple small population or, or market of complex rehab, mobility, and seating, other adaptive equipment, without spending money and making sure people are getting the right adaptive equipment, that ADA is really an unfulfilled promise to many folks. I think the solution, and there certainly isn't a simple answer, but I think it is really just more advocacy. And I think you saw that, Bill, with a lot of uh, some of the comments around the ADA University, where people acknowledge, you know, it's good and it was great that it was created and there's a lot of things going on. But you, you hear stories about where, you know, Congress is looking, uh, certain segments of Congress are looking at taking away some of the enforce, enforcement provision. Mm -hmm. I think that the two things that I would say at a very high level is one, we need to continue to build on the ADA and, and make sure that things like I just mentioned around complex equipment that access is recognized as being part of the ADA and that needs to be supported. And then I do think appropriate enforcement needs to be in play. One of the issues that's out there right now for small businesses particularly is, you know, there's there's been these uh, fly-by-night attorneys that in essence try and identify frivolous frivolous lawsuits around access and they go after these businesses. And as a consequence, Congress is 
looking at, well, you know, maybe we need to pass bills that limit people's legal rights to sue somebody. I don't think that's the right right route to go because, again, it really falls under diluting the enforcement. And really, you need to take a closer look at the enforcement. And, you know, if there's a loophole that bad attorneys are using, let's close that. But you still need to hold our country uh, accountable for making, you know, the provisions uh, uh, a reality. And there's still, I think, a lot of work to go uh, around that. Well, I think that's the word of the decade, accountable. Yeah. Well, you guys have been really nice to spend time with me today. Is there anything that you'd like to say or that we haven't talked about that you think we should have? Uh, well, I'll just chime in really quickly, Bill. Um, we've talked a lot about how you know the collective work of the CRT community um, is so critical to the advocacy work that we do. So I would just, you know, if people are wondering about NCART and the work that we do or how they can get involved in advocacy, I spend a great deal of time making sure that our messaging gets out there. Um, in a variety of ways, whether that's, you know, our social media accounts or um, helping organize the the monthly CRT industry webinars that we've been holding uh, for the last couple of months or our monthly newsletter or, you know, the emails that we send out with call to action alerts or different policy alerts. Um, so I would encourage folks to either get signed up for the updates. You know, that's the best way really to to dig in and see what it is that NCART is up to and how they can get involved in advocacy, or, you know, even just checking out our social media sites um, and following us there um, is a great, a great way for, for people to get plugged in and just stay updated on what's happening in the industry, what trends are showing in policy and reimbursement, and then what actions are, are being taken to protect not only CRT businesses, but CRT consumers as well. So I'll just throw that, you know, into the ring here at the tail end as a way for, for people to follow up and continue to, to follow what NCART's doing. How do people get signed up? Oh, absolutely. So on our websites, we have um, a sign up for updates button. It's usually over in the right hand column on uh, the www.ncart.us website. Um, or folks are more than welcome to shoot me an email. My email would be mlee at NCART. Dot us, But the easiest way to do it, Bill, is just to check out the website. Gotcha. Don, any wisdom? First of all, thank you very much for the time here. We really appreciate your coverage. And I know I've um, been able to catch a couple of the podcasts. So I think it's great. Even, even what you're doing kind of ties to what I'm going to suggest might be the last message is that when we talk to folks over a number of years, you know, certainly sometimes there's a frustration in that, you know, geez, we're, we're all out here trying to do the right thing. We're trying to help people with disabilities get the equipment they need to carry on their lives and to help manage their medical condition. So you couldn't ask for really a more noble mission, you know, right under there, uh, under mom and, and apple pie. And so it's, well, it's frustrating to all the issues we have to deal with. I think it's important to recognize a couple of things. One is that we have created an identity out there for CRT, thanks to a lot of people's efforts and the message is getting out there. But we have to recognize that it's it's an ongoing challenge and there's much more work to be done. So when I talk to people, I kind of use the word more. I say, you know, what we need is we need more. We need more people to reach out to their member of Congress um, in some way. And it doesn't mean necessarily coming to Washington every year, which is great if you can do it. But if not, it's as simple as, you know, having your member of Congress 
come into your office and take a look at your warehouse and how you do repair things. It's having the same thing with your state legislature. There's a lot of things that people could do. And it's really those individual conversations. When I think of all the things that the wins we've had, they haven't come from any one conversation or any one uh, activity. It's been a combination of things. And sometimes it may be the fifth or sixth person that's talked to that member of Congress or to that state legislature, where now all of a sudden the light bulb goes off and they get it. And now we've got somebody that's educated and we can work on that advocacy piece. So I would encourage people to, if you're, if you're involved, thank you and stay involved in a great way, as McKay mentioned, is go to the NCAR.us website and sign up. Um, we try and be very uh, judicious in our alerts, uh, letting people know what's important and what they need to, do to, to get engaged, but to find some way to be active and then get a few of your associates to join the group because um, we still have a lot of work to get ahead of us. And the more people we get engaged, the greater our chance for success. Okay, great. Well, again, thank you guys very much. Thanks so much, Bill. Okay, thank you, Bill. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. McKay Lee and Don Clayback for NCART, working hard every day to clear the path for people that need complex rehab technology and for the people that provide it. Go to the website today, if you haven't already, and sign up for CRT updates, ncart.us, N-C-A-R-T U-S. That's all we have. Come back for more episodes of Talk Rehab. I'm Bill Nolting. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.